Hello, my friends. Today we're talking to Simon, the CTO of Sanity.io, and we discuss how having a powerful content management system enables developers to think creatively, how the right partners can help customers realize the full value of a product, and lessons learned from being a career entrepreneur. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. So you, you mentioned you were always trying to build games when you were a kid. Is that, that was your introduction to tech, uh, video games Definitely. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I really like. I was reading all the computer magazines. Uh, I was kind of pestering my my parents to get me a computer. Like this is like I was at like ten years old, nine years old, and like the thing I wanted to, to do was was to make uh, to make games. I wasn't really into playing games then. I was just wanting to. I just was fascinated by that kind of creating a world inside a computer. Is uh, it's a game called Adventure for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which is kind of it was the first time I saw like a, a, a like a, a little world where you could move around and there was more than one screen and you could pick up things and fight dragons and stuff. It was all super crude, like like uh, I don't know <laughs> one bit graphics, but it was like just that <laughs> that's, that that kind of idea that there was like a world inside the machine. I could not understand how it was possible, so I wanted to understand that, and I. I just spent the first year just figuring out how to move things on the screen. And that was enough for me, like figuring out like vertical movement after half a year, like horizontal was quite easy. Vertical was super hard. I remember, still remember the moment I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, I just move across all the way until the next line. And that would be a vertical step. Oh, that's awesome. And then I realized <laughs> I could basically make games from the, from then on. So that was, uh, and that's kind of, uh, kind of feels the same still. In a sense, that kind of that pursuit of those kind of those challenges, uh, those the things that feel impossible, and you just keep kind of like maturing them in your head over time, and then suddenly they become approachable, and then suddenly they become trivial, and uh, and you move on to the next impossible thing, and that's kind of what fascinates me <laughs> about this uh, this this stuff. That's awesome. So, what was your first like job in tech? My first job, so I actually, I had like two, in a sense, like a, like I said, I like had jazz piano, I had the computers and I kind of, at that time, it wasn't clear to me that how culturally important computers would be. So I actually thought like I went into television. So I was a television, uh, like uh, I was an editor in the beginning. And then uh, after a while, I had a, like a production company. And that was really interesting. And my kind of uh, thinking then was like, uh, the, the world is created by by media. That's how you kind of basically in democracy, that's how you shape society. So that was kind of my thinking then. Then we made this uh, social network for initially for our friends called like Undergrowth. It was this kind of, it was meant for as a tool to find underground cultural events uh, in, in, in Oslo initially. It kind of blew up. It was like, just before like Twitter and Facebook uh, and these things kind of really blew up. So kind of social media for, let's say, non-techy people was just ready to go. It's that, wow, like technology is taking that role. Like if you want to shape society, you make software. And we didn't know, like we had kept that programming up all this time, but we hadn't actually 
like minded much. And then it was kind of, oh, this is our, <laughs> our calling. Because this is like, this is um, when I say we now, it's one of my co-founders, Evan uh, Westwang and, and uh, even Rusta. Uh, we have worked together since we were in our early 20s. Um, still working together. Uh, so we had this kind of journey where we realized like this is incredibly interesting. And and then we started, like we just transformed this uh, this um, tech company, this TV company into a, a software company. And that's where we've been ever since. So yeah, so I actually never worked for anyone else in, <laughs> in a tech company. It's always been my own uh, or with my friends. That's awesome. How did you do that pivot from it's the same company that it was um, when you were a TV company and you changed to a tech company, or did you start a new company when you decided? No, we to... was the same company all the time. We changed name a few times yeah. just to to, to rebrand. No, it was it was owned by by myself, Evan and Ivan, and it was first it was, was a TV company, then it was a games company, and then it was a, a kind of design and engineering company, like with a focus on on on. Um, on the software part. So that's kind of where we were just before Sanity. I think now technically it's a new company because we had to reincorporate in the States to do to do this. <laughs> but yes, it's a, it's a, in, in spirits, it's, a, it's been the same company my entire career. <laughs> that's crazy. That's really cool. So where yeah, did the, the name come from that, that it's currently under Sanity? I think that was, uh, that was just this kind of feeling that, I mean, it's been a, it's been a kind of uh, this is like 2015 15 I, I guess 2016 it's been a kind of tough time <laughs> uh with a lot of lot, lot of challenging uh, things going on and i just felt like uh one thing is we we were feeling we we're bringing we wanted to bring some some kind of calm and rational thinking to this to this field that we were entering the content uh, space but also it felt like actually like that's what we do i just wanted to think about that about bringing a calm uh, centered uh, rational approach to the world uh, so i just enjoyed that uh, that name and that that concept so 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 i guess that was the the motivation for the name uh, that we just wanted to be something that made things make sense. And of course, within the scope of uh, being a content operating system, in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So can you give me the overview of what the company does today? Yeah. So so to stay in that kind of storyline, like we, like I told you, we were running this uh the the this kind of uh engineering and design company, uh an agency. It's a very small agency. We had like a we have a long table in the office. At that time, we said, like, this is the size of the company. We can't be bigger than if we, we have to be able to run it from a long table. We don't want to, we don't want to know about kind of complex management uh, systems or we don't want to be managers. We just want to run this, uh, this, this, this company and make uh, interesting things for people. So this was kind of a design and engineering company. Uh, we were hired by the OMA, which is a, which is an uh, architecture agency out of Rotterdam. It's run by a very, very famous architect called Rem Koolhaas, which is someone that myself and Evan, co-founder Evan, we just we just are like fans of this person. He is supposedly like this draconian kind of Steve Jobs kind of character, but we just loved his work and his writing. So we read everything he has written. So we just took this job in order to basically 
to maybe meet him. Actually, it was very selfish, very non-business-like. <laughs> <laughs> but the point, the interesting thing was we, we hadn't been doing a lot of content-intensive uh, work at that time. We had done, done very bespoke engineering, almost like art, artistic projects, uh, mostly. So this was for the first time we really made like a, let's say, like a normal website with like normal content in it. And we... We wanted to create this beautiful archive. We just loved their work. They've been working since 1979. A lot of the works are like seminal pieces that are like important historical artifacts. So we told them like, we don't want to make a website. We want you to make a proper archive. Go find, rescan all your books, all of your images at the maximum possible quality. Make sure we have all the dates, the timelines, the partnerships, uh, the, the kind of sizes, the drawings, everything you can find. Let's kind of get that in there. And then... We knew there were there was like a separate department in the company whose job is just to remember the history of the OMA. So if you have like a commission for let's say like a park with a retail space and a bridge, you'll go to this department and you'll say like, what have we done that's relevant to that? So we said like we could probably automate like the garden variety requests for that, like with the proper search engine. Um, and they loved that idea. And then we saw they were like everywhere in New York, in Rotterdam. There were interns creating books. So we saw, huh, you are making all these books. Why are you making books all the time? And they told us, like, that's our sales process. Like, we, we make a bespoke book for a client with, like, relevant cases. Then we get on the plane uh, and we have a dinner. <laughs> that's how we sell things. The website doesn't even enter into it. So we're like, huh, we can probably automate that. We can probably kind of go to... Uh, proper design agency, get a rule system, and then we can take all the content you prepared for your archive and we'll also generate these books. So now we had like a properly interesting project that we, we thought we were just making the website to meet Remco Lass, but actually now we have this interesting thing where we want to have like a, an easy to use content system that's the, that is just like an improvement for the marketing and communication people. Uh, nothing weird, nothing like no database, nothing like that. Just like a normal with too big uh, editing experience. But then downstream from that, we want all of that to be captured in a proper database so that uh, we can then leverage that content and use it for the website, for the archive, and also then generate these books. And frankly, we expected this to be off the shelf at this time. <laughs> we thought like, like in, in enterprise software and everything else, we've seen like this is kind of being a part of like how modern software works. But it turned out that like in content systems, this was not, not even approached in our opinion. So we made a system which we called Sanity for them. And we, we, we thought like, okay, this is not maybe... We didn't know then that it would be our kind of destiny. We just kept using this for like another, <laughs> another customer and then another customer. I think it was MIT saying, you know, this system you're using, it's better than anything we can buy. And we're like, yeah, we kind of agree. And it kind of, yeah. So then we decided to just invert the whole thing uh, and just become the company that makes that system. And the whole kind of motivation for, for, for building it this way was like we have as an agency always been kind of brought into companies as some kind of innovation help. It's like, like figuring out new ways of doing something. And then we always felt like we are always held back by the CMS, like the content management system. Like we, we come in with some ideas and the, the people say, oh, we love the ideas, but actually we can't change the workflows for journalists or actually we can't sync data in or out or actually we can't like uh, tack these onto the content models. So, so that was this. So we, we kind of thought like, ah, oh, we want to make this system 
where that just unlocks that innovation, where like you get up and running really fast with whatever content workflows you need. But then as you kind of discover what you need and as you kind of want to grow and want to use that content in new contexts, you can just do that. So that's kind of the, the crux of what we're trying to, to achieve here is like building this system where developers, content creators, designers, and kind of strategists or the, the business side of the things is just set free to to kind of yeah to to just create that's awesome so can you help me understand exactly like what the content management system does and who is the user of it yeah so so typically with sanity you um you have it's like two pieces to the to the to the product it's um it's the content lake system so that's the that's the system that kind of uh, Keeps your content, distributes your content. Like it's a, it's a, it's a backend system that just glues everything together. So this is kind of an abstract thing for developers to think about. Uh, it just makes sure everything is connected well, and it can kind of connect to all of your enterprise systems or your Shopify uh, shop or like all the things you kind of want to 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 present content to or or kind of gather content from. And then it's. Uh, what we call the studio, which is the content authoring experience. And that's the whole point of that was to create like a way for developers, designers, and content creators to kind of come together and make like exactly the content authoring experience that like makes sense to an organization. We were really tired of this kind of very often a content system requires you to think according to their kind of model like yeah it's in the way way past like like let's parody it's like from the way way past you go like uh, yeah uh, you're an architecture agency you want to make uh, enter in a new project a uh, new building but you have to then create a new page and you have to add the metadata tags for buildings and then put in the template for for buildings and none of those things are how you think so we want a system where the button is just new building or to, to kind of and just the extension of that, making sure the workflows, the names of things, the structures of things are customizable so it can be built the way people think in the organization. Uh, and, and that's kind of uh, how we connect then the kind of content creators, making sure that's just an intuitive immediate and simple process creating the content. But then as I as I mentioned with the OMA, but now a lot of companies are doing this. This get now captured in the in a in a form we call structured content, which meaning like we know what each piece of information means, and then uh, developers and designers can then leverage that and reuse that content in new settings. So let's say you have created, in this instance, for example, we had created the database of buildings, the website, the book, everything, and then someone realized, you know, Instagram, lots of incredibly uh, nice images are being taken of our buildings on Instagram. And we were like, yeah, but we have the locations of all the buildings. So we could build a new tool that based on those locations goes and finds new pictures taken near your buildings. We will integrate it into a workflow in your CMS. And then now you will just score those images and we will actually insert those images inside your building presentations. And they will be like snapshots from like this. And it, that was just like a reasonable ask at that point because all of the building blocks were there and it was just simple to add and now these books were now containing fresh instagram images Lo later they shut down that api unfortunately so that doesn't true anymore but it was awesome <laughs> at the time <laughs> yeah but the point is you can do these kinds of things like things that in the past would be huge projects are 
are are kind of easy or or reasonable and 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 kind of people can come up with these things and experiment with them and try them out and you know in the past when we <laughs> when we used tv and paper and stuff uh, if you worked in content you'd be able to just try something you'd say like ah you know let's try this segment for like two days and you wouldn't have to kind of hire an army of developers to kind of build out the the, the the system for it. You just try it. And then if it works, you'll develop it further. And I, I think with Sanity, we try to bring some of that logic into the content space, into the digital space, that kind of improvisational uh, kind of opportunity. Yeah, so it's like a really smart tool for building and managing websites. Is, is that a good summation? Yeah, but of course, we will always then react to the concept of websites because people use it for websites, for apps, for set-top boxes, for integrating with, let's say, if you're a restaurant business and you want your menus in your stores, like in your restaurants, but also on your app, but also on Uber Eats and on several other kind of partners' uh, systems, you can use Sanity to make sure your, your kind of offering is modeled in a way where it can be then integrated into several kind of mediums and formats, uh, even things you weren't aware of when you created the content. So that's kind of part of this because increasingly, of course, the website is just one of the outlets for our content. Right. That's really cool. So, so we were originally connected because a while back we had on um, Ryan Romer, the CTO of Formidable on mm. the podcast. Um, and I'm just curious, what's your relationship like with Formidable? Are they using Sanity for, because they do uh, like uh, web app development, right? Hmm. Yeah. So, so, so for, for us, like uh, when we, it's pretty, it's like a frustrating part of being Sanity is that we are not uh, an agency anymore, right? We can, in one sense, we can't like really help people anymore because now we are suppliers of this uh, this system. This, uh, so we are really beholden to our customers using, like getting good advice. Like, of course we will help, but there's a limit to what we can do. So we really, we really need our customers to have great partners to really leverage the value of, of Sanity, especially like these huge uh, advanced companies that Formidable is working with. So, so our relationship to to Formidable is that they have come in with some uh, some really big customers and really kind of they really understand. Of course, they really understand their businesses, but they also really understand the kind of the, the value that Sanity brings to 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 the market. And then they are really able to help these companies really like really even those things that are really innovative about Sanity that we struggle to explain to customers. Uh, we struggle to kind of, yeah, this, this part of our kind of, I guess, part of our mission now is to kind of get people to understand and unpack the value that this unlocks, but Formidable really gets that. And that, that's, of course, very important to us and very valuable. So, so that's kind of uh, where we are with Formidable and look forward to hopefully more great partnership with more companies together with Formidable. That's really cool. So how did you meet them and have that start? No, so actually, uh, they were introduced uh, from one of our customers. So we uh, we were helping, like this is really early days for us, uh, helping a really, really big corporation uh, figuring out their kind of content modeling. And they had this, this really complex need to kind of put this content into so many different channels and understanding it's some some of these kind of uh, business cases are really really hard to understand even for the companies themselves like they have like people with degrees in logistics to understand how their kind of uh, content works uh, and we were working uh, with to help them up to a point and then uh, i think they found uh, formidable uh, they wanted to kind of 
to kind of collect uh, all of their agency help and they're not under one uh, strong company. And that's how we kind of got in touch. So they came in and, and finally they had like a partner that really got this and we saw things really move along. And then now really having, yeah, for our part, the customer having a, a kind of partner that really got us and could really help them. So, so that's how that started uh, for us. So, so yeah, brought together by a big corporation. That's awesome. That that mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of um, an interview I just recently did with a company called Addin Three Six Five, which their whole thing is they're like a premium partner of Microsoft, and they help companies like get the most out of Microsoft's tools because, like, apparently, team Microsoft Teams can do a lot more than just like video calls and messaging and stuff. But a lot of companies don't like unpack all that value. And so this, this company add in three, six, five puts this layer on top where you can kind of customize your experience in there and anything and everything, but yeah, just the concept of having a partner like that. When you have something uh, really kind of category defining like sanity, you have to explain it in terms of something that exists. Yeah, so, yeah. Of course, most of our customers think of Sanity as a headless CMS. That's what we are compared to. Now, we never, like when we created Sanity, we never thought about headless CMS. We didn't even use the word CMS. That's kind of came later as a way to explain like part of the value proposition. Uh, but it reminds me a little bit of like when I was like, I'm, uh, I, when I kind of first saw computers in the 80s, uh, they were marketed as typewriters, right? Like, but, like if you wanted to sell one to an adult, you'd say like, it's it's like a typewriter, only better. And if you <laughs> didn't know better, you'd just use it as one. Like you you type your letter, and yeah, they're nice. You can edit, like you can backspace. That's that's awesome. You can do that, <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe insert some text and print it, and then you're done, and that's fine. Uh, so uh, uh, so uh, and we see a lot of a similar dynamic where people see our stuff, they think, ah, oh, that's an awesome headless CMS, and then they use it as a headless CMS and don't really kind of see that. Kind of power that comes as you kind of dig into this 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 kind of power, the structured content uh, and the content lake, um, and that's where, like you said, like someone like Formidable uh, or other strong partners that kind of really understand that is is really kind of vital to us and to our to our success. That's really interesting. So, what are some of those areas where? Sanity is more powerful than a than a headless CMS. I, I'm not super familiar with what the limitations are of a headless CMS. No, so so you could say in a in a traditional like if you if you take let's say so let's start with like like the really challenging like old old school systems like like WordPress. So in in that mode, you have a, a system where basically you. You you create templates where you have like slots to fit in. Like this is my title, this is my 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 header image, this is my my main text, and and then you and then you really shape your content to that specific kind of view. So so you'd say like like you you make you maybe you create images and prepare images that have that specific kind of uh, shape that is kind of made for that view. Right. You really so when you later uh, and and you typically will put all your content in like a. I say like, for example, this is this is back to OMA. So they would have all of their content in like a long text. It would contain area usage. It would have a map. It would have like a list of partners. All of this was in an unstructured form. There was no way to kind of, let's say, make an index of partners or or make a map out of all the locations because all of this was just kind of flat flat files in a sense. It was impossible to, to reason about for software. 
And the typical kind of approach to then make this modern is to put an API on top of that, like put it into some JSON. And then, uh, and, and basically, you, you still have a very similar thing uh, that is still kind of made to be used. Maybe a little, it's, of course, it's much more flexible, but uh, but what you don't have is a, is a proper, let's say, still a very specific a content API. It's a system where, where, where you you still will struggle to connect to other systems. To so 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 to 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 combine text and data. And these are seemingly very abstract concepts. But immediately when you when you start really kind of coming up with new ideas, like I want to I want to have my kind of I have I have my product database. I want to have those kind of integrated into the text. I want to have like a sh like a buy button in my text. With, let's say that contains a bundle. Let's say I'm selling. Let's say I mean, let's go back to the games. Let's say I say I'm selling kind of Raspberry Pi uh, uh, arcade emulation kits, and I have different combinations that work well together. Uh, and I and then I I have some content. It's about um, it's about different games and, and, and periods of uh, like uh, eras of gaming. And then I'll have in that text, I'll have ways to immediately go buy like a, a bundle of, of, of equipment of, of arcade joysticks and Raspberry Pis and screens that fit together if I want to emulate like that specific era of games. And this is something you can do like in a proper, in a proper kind of a, a database-oriented control system. So it seems abstract and technical, but it really unlocks that kind of value. Another thing that's really special about this is that the... The content lake is able to be integrated into other systems deeply. So some of our partners are like, let's put it this way: like content isn't always just created by humans. Sometimes it just originates in other systems. Like the way we look at it is like everything you want to present to to your audience is content. So it might be a price, it might be availability of the product, it might be uh, it might be coming from a lot of systems. Uh, Let's say you're a real estate developer and, and you have lots of such systems that generate different parts of your content. And in the end, you want to present these uh, kind of projects with buildings, so it's flats and areas and the quality of life experiences that you can have in these spaces. And, and you want to bring all of that together. And then some of this is, is editorial and is created by, by humans in the normal way, but some of it is just gathered from other systems. And, and a content lake lets you basically connect all of your sources together and then in the end, bring that into one source that you then can distribute into all the channels. Like you're make, maybe you're making flyers and you're making putting it into like a real estate kind of realtor's like sales system. And you're also putting it into your beautiful websites, of course. And maybe also partner sites like, I don't know, what is a, like, like a real estate sales um, kind of marketplace in the States? Uh, Remax? Zillow? Remax, Zillow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some stuff like that. So you like you will put this content in in in, in all these different places. So so this is kind of a number of things where like a headless CMS can be like a part, like a traditional headless CMS can be a be a part of this, but a proper kind of let's uh, content lake and a, like a proper content operating system kind of is that system that connects the people, the content creators. And the different kind of parts of the organization that create different generates the different parts of the content and bringing it together and then redistributes it to wherever it needs to go. It sounds like you're enabling a lot more. Uh, going back to like the Instagram example of that auto integration into that company, the architecture company's books um, with mm -hmm. the photos. Like you're enabling these really cool 
things to be integrated into uh, websites and other areas of publishing content um, mm. and in an easier way. But it also sounds like it's still somewhat complex in that you you still need to have a, like a understanding at least of like develop software development, right? To use it and get the most out of it. Yeah, I think that for like, uh, like I mean, in in the modern website, you will always have a developer creating your front end, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, unless you're going like super down market like Wix or Squarespace, you will have like a, a developer setting up your 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 site or your app or some of your front end stuff. That developer will be fully equipped to do everything you need to do in, in sanity. So, so, so it's That's kind cool. of the same. Yeah, yeah. So we made sure that it's, it's it's the developer just needs to be like a normal JavaScript front-end React developer. Uh, so it's nothing magical or or hard about that. Like make sure all of that is super approachable. Of course, there is lots of complex magic hidden behind that uh, that code. But yes, you have to have a developer. But that developer, we are all about kind of empowering. The front-end developers to just kind of do the whole, uh, in a sense, backend. Nice. Mm. So yes, I, you have to be a kind of developer. So it sounds like you have like probably have to have a pretty complicated tech stack on your backend supporting this and that. So just recently, I talked to a company called Quali, and they their VP of product strategy, David Williams, first of all, educated me on what infrastructure is and um, how to even (laughs) think about the stack. And then he was talking about how what his company does infrastructure automation and what they call environments as a service. And Hmm. I learned a ton on the episode. It was, it was very fun for me. Um, Hmm. And, but so now that I have that, like at least baseline understanding of infrastructure, (laughs) when I'm hearing you talk about what your company does, I'm just like, oh my God, that's so many layers. So Hmm. how do you, do you have some kind of tool that you use to track, to like manage the stack at Sanity? Definitely. I mean, like, uh, of course, there's a whole group of people uh, managing the infrastructure uh, at our company. It's, It's a huge part. Like basically it's all like in terms of like, Everything, uh, everything um, about the studio experience, everything a person touches in terms of creating content is completely open source uh, and, and free, like MIT licensed. Uh, uh, what our business is is then running that backend. Uh, so, 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 in a certain sense, it's it's our entire business is running that. And and yes, it's a very complex thing. Uh, what we have, like you said, like what we, what we we see our job uh, as making sure. Like that, you can think about your content in a very sim- simple way. Like you can just think of it as like a bunch of documents, and you will be able to reshape that content and distribute it and do all of those things. And we will just make that work on the back end. And it's like it look like we make it look very, let's say, easy or or, or very approachable. But of course, uh, behind the scenes, to make that to, to pull off that being that kind of dumb in a sense, which I like. It's a positive word in our company. Like when you when you finally find like the dumb solution, then you kind of <laughs> you know yes. you're arriving. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's really dumb, but this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so yes, and that's then of course that that makes everything hard for us. <laughs> so we spend a lot of time making sure when we see like uh, oh that customer is doing something incredibly weird that like oh no kind of experienced developers would do that because that's like you don't do that, and then you realize actually. Like if you're a seasoned web developer, you might not do that, but actually maybe we should just make it 
be right. Like maybe we should just make it work. So we spend a lot of time on that, like looking at what people do and then just figuring out how can we just make that work instead of needing to teach people to do back pressure control on the like hard abstract concept like that. Let's see if we can just make that work on our side. Uh, but yes, it's a it's a huge load of, of servers, uh, and it's, we are using, of course, uh, Docker and Kubernetes. It's like a system to to manage a lot of like small machines that talk together and then uh, yeah on top of that there's loads of tools to to build and distribute and kind of run that um but it's yeah that's incredibly interesting the whole and of course like you 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 know the whole kind of cloud computing thing in it's not so long ago we actually had physical servers in our company before we became sanity uh, so it's interesting also then now having this kind of fleet of machines all over the world that we can't even physically access, <laughs> but it's uh, ours somehow, like in an abstract way. Now that's all that's it's incredibly uh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is really, I, I think it's funny how we have this concept of the cloud as like this information bubble that exists above us, but it's just computers that are somewhere else. On, in someone yeah, else's warehouse. A, <laughs> yeah, you could say that, but actually it's not exactly true, right? Because uh, if it was, then when the machine burns up or is destroyed, it would be gone, right? right but actually, yeah. I just get a new machine. It is exactly like the old one and it just keeps doing my job. So in one sense, it's uh, it's uh, I think the cloud is, is, is real because... Like I don't know where my mail is. If half the where like uh, server space for Google is burning up, I still have my mail. Uh, so it's something else. Like it is actually at least when it works. But of course, sometimes it breaks down. Sometimes Facebook misconfigures their <laughs> their DNS and everything goes offline. Then just yep. you you reminded there is like a physical reality underneath. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the magic breaks a little bit there. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's one thing that you're really excited for for the future of, of your company? No, I I think like what what I really spend my time thinking of now is, is just figuring out how to I we I think we have all those like we in one sense I feel like we've seen the the future of how content should be should be work like how people should work with content how should organizations should work with content how how it should really work and we haven't really been able to explain all of it so that's kind of what i really really fascinates me like how do we do we kind of inspire people and companies to 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 see these uh, these new ways of working so that's what i'm really looking forward to and also we are at the stage in the company where we are really really growing so kind of uh in the kind of uh, in my leadership it's in a situation where i Going from being very, very hands-on operational CTO, like running the engineering teams, running design teams, to being more of a higher, like being able to work more high level. And it's kind of a very new thing to me to be able to kind of to have that opportunity. So so be able to 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 get that opportunity and to use that to 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 inspire and teach uh, how to do how to do these things. That's really fascinating to me. What are some things you're learning as you're getting into management and, and getting a little bit less hands-on now? Yeah, no, it was very like of course, I don't know everyone who's like been focused on being a builder and moving into management initially. You see it as a kind of uh, as majorly like a loss. Like I, initially, I felt like I I just have to do this. I want to do this 
Like I want to make sanity, and uh, to do that, I have to become uh, a leader. Uh, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then after a while, I, uh, we had uh, we we found um, an incredible mentor, our CEO uh, among the Star, uh, at the very like at the exact right time, and he's been kind of helping us kind of uh, develop that part of ourselves. And after some time, I realized like. Being a, a leader, trying to be a good leader, is being a builder. You're just not building the product; you're building the the environment and the processes, and and you're you're building up the people who, who can do this thing. And and then you realize, like the the the, the kind of most the rewarding part of being a leader is like you. Of course, everything that's not working, everything that's broken, is my job. And then, <laughs> and then when you get it to work, you realize, like now, I. I have created a situation where this thing now, people are empowered to do this thing that I, in, in like last year, I thought I was the only one in the world who could do this for us. Now, now like uh, we found the people, we've like developed the knowledge, we've kind of now we're there and now I can move on and, 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 and kind of to the next broken thing, the kind of higher level broken thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I feel that kind of that. And then, then, and then that, that, that's what makes it feel like building because I guess building is a similar thing. Like you are, you, you're everything that's broken about what you're making is your problem. And then when you kind of get it to work, then you can move on to this kind of higher level uh, challenge. But that's kind of what I'm, what I'm kind of really in love about leadership and, and then being, being, kind of being someone who then yeah then you can kind of can develop the same kind of let's call it like a loving exploration like you that you had as a tinkerer like how can i like what could we make this thing do now this thing that is our organization like how can we make it sing how can we really really kind of uh, what what is something we are not thinking of that we could really kind of really nail right now. So, so that's fascinating to me. And then always something, of course, I spent a lot of time with, uh, was challenging in the beginning is that to build that instinct to always work through others. You always have this impulse to just do something yourself, right? Like, yeah, I'll just fix this thing or do this little thing. <laughs> and then learning to always include someone, always work through others, always be developing the organization's ability to do that thing, even though you maybe initially are doing it yourself. So these things are, yeah, a list of things that I found incredibly fascinating with uh, with leadership. I want to touch on one thing that you mentioned in there. You said you found, you and your co-founders found a great mentor in your CEO. Did you bring on your CEO uh, like you and your co-founders bring him on after the fact, or is he also one of your co-founders? He is a co-founder because he oh, okay, came cool. in at that. Low. So we had we had at that time. So this was when we had decided that we would make the product. It was not yet uh, released, and it was of course just a very scrappy little operation. We would not have succeeded in that shape and form. So so uh, <laughs> a friend of us uh, told us like you should have beer with this uh, among this guy. You you'll like him. No, he didn't. They didn't know it was a very special special time for us. We were just changing <laughs> up everything. We had a beer with him. I think I had had like uh, half a beer when I told Magnus like actually Magnus, I think you are going to be my boss. 
uh, and he was like, <laughs> and he was like, no, no, he was uh, he was planning to take some time off and learn to to do some uh, some AI stuff, and and was like, so we have a really beautiful office. So I told him like, you should just maybe you should just come to our office and you just borrow. You need some space, right? So so he came and uh, and we spent some time together, and and he's really really good at kind of like, kind of leveling things up like like how can we kind of get to the next stage so he was like even just as a as a kind of remote friend at that time he would say like why don't we just go to san francisco and we just pitch it to random people who talk to us and just see if the story sticks like would it stick in in san francisco do they think this is old hat or is it like something new so we do that and uh just as a kind of buddy trip in a sense at that point and it did stick, <laughs> uh, uh, and we agreed that this is like so. He so then he joined as a full full founder uh, because he found that he he was able to really co-own the vision, uh, and and uh, and he really does. And and it was a really really important step because now at that point we just we just had that 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 part the organization builder. And the kind of leadership uh, nerd that he is, like he's really <laughs> fascinated by that. Like he, I think that was what what initially draw, draw, drew me to him. And he's like, he knows about finance and leadership and organization building, and he knows about those things the way I know about like uh, event queues and workers and distributed systems, uh, and has the same kind of fascination for it. So through his eyes, I can see how it's fascinating. <laughs> uh, and then he has brought on uh, uh, a lot of people to to help us kind of uh, to help develop ourselves to to be these people who we need to be to build this business. Nice, and and now he gets to teach you about some of the the leadership stuff. You get to teach him about some of the distributed system stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I think now sometimes the 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 roles are switching. Sometimes uh, I can tell him a thing or two about leadership, and sometimes he can tell me a thing or two about the uh, distributed systems and uh, and what Santi should be. So that's also that's a bit this is a great great partnership. It's interesting to see also that someone coming in with like uh, he has that kind of he's from initially from from private equity so he's seen a lot of different companies very fast so he has this ability to really quickly grasp like oh what is the kind of business value here how does this business how is it supposed to work and then a very uh, impressive ability to then just kind of inhabit that and then become that person who so now he's Absolutely, someone who co-owns not just kind of the organizational building, but also the product vision, which is which is I did not expect, which I think is beautiful. So, what's one piece of advice you would give to, let's say, a technologist that has built some really cool piece of software? They're they're looking to productize it, make it a company, and hmm. um, so they're founding founding their company, building a little team. What what advice do you have for that person getting that off the ground and and growing that? I think uh, first and first foremost, just just go with your like like think about what really fascinates you about what you're doing, and really really nail that and 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 really make sure that is what drives the business. But then make sure it is a business. Like think through who is going to pay for it, how it's going to work as a business, because uh, I feel I see a lot of that uh, companies that have like awesome like an awesome technical idea, but I haven't really thought through how that, uh, and very often like it can be small, small changes in how your software works and how, or how you market it or who, who you market to that can make things work. So, 
So make sure you 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 are you aren't don't be too smart about like being pragmatic about what you're making. Like make sure it's something you really 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 fascinated with because you're going to sp- like spend your lifeblood on that thing if it's any successful. Uh, but then make sure it's an actual business owner to understand how it can work like that, and then get help. Find good people. Think like I, I, th- I thought it was interesting to hear. Uh, Bill Gates talking about why he was so success- successful, and I thought it would be something about his kind of technical vision or something like that. But he said, "I really loved hiring. Like I really, really love hiring. Like finding good people, and that's fascinating to me. That's because uh, it very quickly becomes about that, right? The finding these good partners, these good helpers, and and building that. Absolutely. So, uh, one one last leadership esque question for you: what What's one thing you're learning right now? What's challenging you? Oh yeah, no. So 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 right now, it, it it is that thing where I'm going from. Let's say, let's say I'm going this trajectory from being the main programmer on the backend system, like in the beginning, then learning how to be the one who builds the team, who makes the uh, backend system and and runs that team, uh, then now being the person who uh, kind of furthers the vision for this these systems so to connect the product vision and the technical vision and the design vision and becoming now in a sense properly a CTO, right? Up until now, I've been like an engineering manager, uh, head of engineering, head of design, uh, sometimes a designer. Uh, so, but now uh, as we grow, I, I can see how I'm, I'm learning how to be that person who don't muddle too much in the, the details of stuff, but make sure I kind of provide uh, uh, well thought out North Star for, for my teams. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything that we didn't get out there that we want to make sure we, we get out to the world? Um, if people think sanity is really cool, how can they find you? <laughs> yeah. So sanity IO, it's just, it's, it's our free plan is very generous. So people can just start using it. Uh, any personal projects, supposedly we try to make it so the pricing makes sure that's just just use it for anything you want. Um, and then also consider join us. Like we need more people. We are hiring for basically everything right now. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.